Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sobriety Core Podcast, a collection of stories from people who happen to be sober. I'm your host, Kim Palumbo. Hi, everyone. Uh, for episode 28, I am so excited to welcome S. You can find S at Sober Otter on Instagram. And S is open, bold, and honest about sobriety so that other women don't feel so alone on their journey. Welcome, S. Thanks, Kim. Glad to be here. S, who are you? Who am I? I'm S. You may know me from the gram as Sober Otter. And I'm a daughter, a friend a partner, and a strong, boozeless woman in sobriety. I always kind of find it hard to answer this question because I feel like I'm still figuring out who I am, um, especially who I am without alcohol. And maybe I'll always be working on finding out who I am. But for now, my answer will be that I'm S and I happen to not drink. Love that, right? We're always pulling back the, the layers. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. What brought you to sobriety? Well, it's never really one thing that brings us to sobriety, is it? It seems like, for me, it was a cocktail of one too many bad nights, mornings of anxiety, and knowing that what I was doing drunk and drunk me was not a reflection of the true me, and I had a lot of conflict within myself. I didn't want to give up drinking because my identity was so wrapped up in alcohol. And I thought that alcohol equaled fun and relaxation and social acceptance. But I was totally sold a lie on that, (laughs) those things. For me, um, I was not those things. I was not them, you know, with, with alcohol, they didn't equal relaxation and fun, maybe for those first five minutes. But it was with a side of a whole lot of problems. And I didn't want to continue down the road that I was going on. So I tried to start moderating my drinking when I went to college. I was a big binge drinker in high school, and I have addiction within my family tree, so I knew that my drinking wasn't healthy. And a red flag went off in my mind when I went to college, and I realized that I needed to slow down on my drinking, and I realized I needed to slow down, or else I was going to crash and burn in my own life. So... I tried the moderation thing and it worked until it didn't. I never really got the hang on moderation. I tried really hard to make it work, but the bottom line is that I I didn't really enjoy making it work. So with my binge drinking patterns and my love affair with alcohol, it kind of made it difficult to have a healthy relationship with booze. And it definitely became more apparent to me that I couldn't keep alcohol in my life anymore. By the time I was in my early 20s, I had ruined a lot of my friendships, romantic relationships, and my heart was super heavy. I'm a shy person and I had to figure out how to socialize and how to show affection and how to do all these things that fun, all these things I'd been doing with alcohol for so long. I had to figure those out all over again and it's been difficult, but the most rewarding thing that I've done. And we don't need alcohol to be fun, to be strong, to be funny, to be wild women that we are. And I've definitely learned that lesson through my sobriety journey. Yeah, it's so interesting the lies that we're told and we tell ourselves and continue to hold on to, especially during that period. I think that 
I certainly can relate to where I didn't want to give up drinking. And so, you know, grasping at anything that I possibly could to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. avoid that inevitable end. Yeah, I think, I mean, many of us that have issues with alcohol, I think we know in the back of our minds that it's never really going to work, but you kind of have to try everything before you're ready. At least mm-hmm. I did, you know, I tried drinking only on weekends or making rules for myself, but they were never quite enough. And I knew that, you know, at the bottom of my heart, I knew that I needed to stop drinking to be happy and to be who I was supposed to be. And really to get to the readiness, because that's it's such a good point that you just made, you know, just needing to try everything in advance of of being ready because you really can't do it unless you're ready or it doesn't stick. Right. Right. Sometimes you really have to be at the end and exhaust all of your options before you say, okay, yeah, I'm willing. I surrender. Sure. How do you stay sober? I am always adding to my sober toolbox is what I like to call it. Um, that keeps me sober. And I definitely never thought I would be one of those people that would meditate, but I 100% am now a meditation person. (laughs) I use meditation to help me with my anxiety and my nerves before a big meeting or a social event and to just keep me level-headed in my sobriety. And I also make a lot of zero-proof drinks or mocktails, and it's become a huge part of my sober toolbox. And I also like to always be honest with myself. I'm honest with when I have a craving for a drink, and I acknowledge that My feelings may always not be comfortable, and I have to be honest with myself about all of those uncomfortable, ugly, scary feelings, you know, and getting to the root of of why I'm drinking or why I'm I'm craving a drink. Am I bored? Is it a song I used to associate with drinking? Am I sad? Whatever it might be, I have to be honest about what I'm feeling. Yeah, learning to stay in that space as opposed to running from it or numbing it. Right. Sitting in the uncomfortableness. Yeah, exactly. I think the zero proof cocktail or mocktail or whatever you want to call it is also a source of a lot of creativity for many people who are in sobriety. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think it's become a really big outlet for me. And I think it's also kind of an art form, you know, figuring out what colors flavors go together and it it keeps you kind of like going and looking forward to something at the end of the day at least I do when I make them what's one of your recent creations that you were particularly fond of so I just made um, what I call the pink cloud and it's strawberry juice lemon juice and some egg white and I mix it all together with some ice in a cocktail shaker, and it comes out this beautiful, fluffy, sweet drink. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, too. It looks pretty. That's awesome. If you could sit down with S, your drinking self, what would you say to her at any point in your journey, whether it's at the end or the beginning or what have you? Mm. I'd probably talk to myself when I was still, you know, in my drinking at its height, and I'd say myself oh as this growth it's gonna feel like the world is crushing you and it's gonna be painful but change hurts and it will feel like it's too heavy for you to carry but I promise you that this pain 
will be useful to you and you will rise again strong and you will have weathered the storm. Mm. It is, I think, particularly important about, you know, meeting your edge is where that growth happens and how scary, I that, agree. Mm-hmm. how scary the edge is, you know, um, how in many ways I think, uh, and I'm certainly, this is not an original thought, but you know, the edge is where addiction often gets fed because it's such a scary place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with what you said. It's scary and sometimes it's sadly necessary. I know it was for me to kind of get to that point where I just had enough and was in so much pain that I had no other option but to turn a different direction and try something else besides the insanity that I kept putting myself through. Mm-hmm. Along your journey, what would you say the relationship between pride and shame has been and has that changed? I really like this question because it was really difficult to answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that I used to be too prideful to admit that shame exists in my own alcohol-free journey. I feel like I still do carry shame for things that I said or that I did when I was drinking. And I know that I did do a lot of damage and hurt to people when I was drinking. I was afraid of telling people that I had stopped drinking because I was ashamed of the person I was when I was drinking, but I was also ashamed of the stigma that that choice carries. Mm. And I really had to learn to move aside my, my pride and my ego I've allowed myself to be open about my sobriety and it took a lot of uncomfortability, as we've said earlier, to get to that point. But I feel like I have to be open about my sobriety because if I'm not, then how are we going to support each other and, you know, be able to support each other who are recovering from these things that are weighing us down? So I think that's, it's a complicated relationship, but that's where I'm at with with my my shame and my my pride. I haven't heard anyone describe it quite like that in having a level of pridefulness that made it hard to look at your shame as once you were sober um, mm-hmm. as it as it relates to the things that happened when you were drinking and I I think it's just it's this trap that we get so stuck in and it's such a small space because it's it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? You're feeling shameful about what happened while you were drinking. And at the same time, or just on the other side of that coin is feeling shame around needing to be sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated issue and a complicated question because in these recovery spaces that we're in, we want to be positive, and I think that's a great thing to acknowledge those things and be prideful about our sobriety, but to not consider and acknowledge the other side where there is sometimes a lot of shame from, you know, either who we are or being open about our sobriety. It's something that I'm learning to kind of balance the two sides. I'm, I'm still learning. I think I've, I've come a long way, but I'm always still learning. Yeah. And thinking about what you said earlier about living a life with integrity, like what brought you to sobriety related to not acting the way or or not living your life when you're drinking in the way that you associate 
to be your true self, right? Who S actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so wrapped up in our shame and, and our, our pride for ourselves. It's hard to look, it's hard to admit those, those pieces about the fact that we hurt people and we didn't show up for life in the way that our true selves would have hoped or would have wanted us to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the silver lining is that we get another chance mm-hmm. to do those things, to show up and to be the person that we truly are to the people that we love. Yeah, absolutely. What is one question that you wish someone would ask you about yourself or your sobriety? I thought really hard about this one and <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I, you had me stumped on this one. Um, I think maybe because I am shy and it's kind of hard for me to talk about myself, but mm-hmm. I will say that if anyone has questions about my sobriety or about me, I'm always an open book and I'm more than willing to talk about my sobriety because, you know, it starts a conversation about alcohol use that is sometimes really difficult to talk about or maybe someone, you know, it brings up an issue that they had been thinking about but didn't have someone to talk to about it. Can you share a little bit about maybe an experience you've had when someone has reached out to you and and how that has impacted you? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's always been a positive experience. Usually someone will reach out because um, they found, you know, my Instagram is sobriety focused. And so not everyone knows that I I do that. And someone in my real life will, my real life, quote unquote, <laughs> will find out that I um, I have this sobriety page dedicated to not drinking and generally they've stumbled across it because they themselves were looking for resources or were curious about what this is about. And so it's generally been a good thing. And I've been able to have positive conversations with people about my experiences and where I came from to make these choices and that it's hard when you're in it. And I know the beginning is really difficult. It's the hardest thing to do, at least for me, was to stop drinking. And so it's always been an open, positive conversation. I think it's so powerful when your circles overlap, when you mm-hmm. cross paths with someone who you know in your life and in your, you know, quote unquote, real life. And I think <laughs> there's all of that is so, it's, it's, I'm so not a person who looks for signs or or things like that, or certainly haven't been in my life. And then there's just some things that happen that you think there's no way this wasn't supposed to occur. I was supposed to come to this specific meeting or this specific sober space and sit down and see someone who I know who needed to see a familiar face. Often I'm the person who needs to see a familiar face, but, um, (laughs) I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that I'm sure that the other person probably did too. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think it helps to not feel so alone and all of this. And especially when we're just first starting out, I remember just being so terrified because I didn't know anyone who had stopped drinking. I didn't know anyone who called themselves sober. And so when I would find out about people that I knew in real life, again, quote unquote, real life, right. that we're sober people, 
it was very comforting to know that I wasn't alone and it wasn't just me going through this. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It can be such a lonely space, especially as you're trying to negotiate. What does it mean to be social and, as you said, like relaxed or foster intimacy in relationships when the primary and go-to vessel for doing that has been drinking? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's such a, it's such a huge cornerstone alcohol in, in society. And when you remove that, you have to learn how to do everything differently and in a different way. And life doesn't end; it just becomes a little bit different. Sure, absolutely, a lot of bit different. <laughs> I would say, yeah, yeah. You yeah. yeah. feel like no stone goes unturned every time. I think okay, like, let's just, let's try to settle into this. You, some other aspect of my life becomes uh, open for questioning and understand, further understanding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's the great thing about it. We get to learn more about ourselves and become better people, like I said, for the people that we love. And we get to show up in ways that I know that I wouldn't have been able to previously. Absolutely. Likewise, and haven't been able to, yeah, for sure. S, thank you so much for sharing your Thanks for having me, Kim. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I've appreciated our conversation. As always, I want to interview you. Drop a line at SobrietyCore on Instagram or visit www.sobrietycore.com to tell your story. That's www.sobrietycorps.com. Look for our next episode in about a week where we get to hear from a human behind an Instagram handle. Until then, be well.